Hey, well, good morning, man. We are so glad you guys are here today. Welcome to week two of Monsters, week two of Monsters. And um, hey, I want you to know this today. If you have a Bible, open up Genesis chapter 22. While you're turning there, we want you to know this. We want your soul to be well. We really want your soul to be well. If you come here today and you're, you're checking church out for the first time, or maybe you haven't been a long time, we really want your soul to be well. Because if things on the inside are okay, then we know things on the outside are okay. If things are okay on the inside, then we know things are okay on the on the outside. And so we've been tackling some things that we feel like maybe that we're all kind of kind of tackling together. And if you're in here today, I want you to know you're on the level playing ground. Every one of us in here today, we struggle with certain things and, and we rejoice with things that are good and we struggle when things are bad. But we all are in here today at the same exact playing level. We, like my dad used to always say, we all put our pants on the same exact way. Unless you're wearing skinny jeans, it's different. It's just a different. It's a different procedure. I, I, that's another message for another day. But um, uh, my my wife and my kids and I, uh, we were just out um, this past week. We my two sisters, we drove up to Georgia, and I got to take my kids for the very very first time whitewater rafting, and uh, they were super super excited about it. Until you got to the place where the guy says, "I'm going to give you guys all the things you need to know about whitewater rafting." And he starts showing you, showing pictures of people being flipped out of rafts. And things went sideways. Their faces began to fill with fear and worry and doubt and anxiety. And I thought to myself, this is exactly what we're talking about this week. We all, we're all doing pretty good. And then tragedy happens. We're like, oh, my goodness. It's about to go down. You guys have seen those videos before, I, I think maybe on Facebook, where you see the car or maybe you've seen on news before. It's, it's icy and the car is just sliding and it's just sliding, and you know it's about to hit something. It's just a matter of when it's going to hit something, and it finally hits something. And when you do that, you watch as you begin to get anxious. You begin to feel worry and doubt, and you begin to feel fear. And that's what this series, Monsters, is about. Here's what we realized last week, that monsters don't live in our closet. They don't live underneath our bed. That'd be awesome, because we can go there, we can snatch them out of there, and we can get them out of there. But monsters live in our head. There's a picture of us whitewater rafting. <laughs> This is Diana. She was saying, oh, where's my strong, good-looking husband? I need help. That's what she was thinking right there. That's, or maybe that's just the way, I per, that's the way I perceived it. But, man, we were, that was a little four-and-a-half, five-foot um, drop-off right there. But, man, we had a, we had a blast. And, yeah, as you can see, I'm professional. Like, I've been there before or I knew where the camera was at. One of the two. One of the two. But, man, that is the look of fear and worry and doubt and anxiety. That was a level three. When we got done, my, my son who's seven, his name is Tripp, he goes, Dad, show me where the four and the fives and the sixes are. I'm like, you ain't going there with me. You know what I'm saying? Because your boy is afraid to go on four, fives, and six. I've been down there, down some fours, and it's just not fun. But, man, that's what fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and shame may look like. And so those are the monsters that we're tackling this month. Those are the monsters that we're tackling. Some of you guys in here today, you struggle with fear. You're just, you're, you're a fearful person. That's kind of, I ask, hey, how are you doing? You could say, I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fearful. My daughter, she's, who's 11, she's a, she's a fearful person. I think she got that from my wife. My wife is a, my wife is a fearful, fearful person, but maybe yours isn't, maybe yours isn't fear. Maybe yours in here today, maybe yours is, yours is worry. Maybe you're a worry wart. Like you, if something can happen, you're prepared for it because you've already worried about it. <laughs> I've been worrying for like six months over this thing. I knew this was going to happen. They tell you that if you're going to get, we, I've, I've been flying before. And you can see people when they're flying. They, they just, the, the look of worry, the look of worry you see the most, I feel like when I fly on airplanes, the look of worry you should have the most is when you get in a car. 
especially the way some of you guys drive. Worry is a thing that we can, worry is a, is a big deal. Some of you guys in here today, you struggle with, you struggle with worry. Worry is your, is your thing. Maybe some of you guys in here today, your thing is doubt. There's a guy in the, in the Bible, he gets the nickname Doubting Thomas. Some of you guys are like, I just, you're a doubtful person. I could be like, hey, here's $1,000 for free, I want to give it to you. And you would begin to say, oh, you, begin to, you would begin thinking of reasons why you weren't allowed to have the money. I doubt you're going to give it to me. I doubt it's going to make it. I could tell you, some of you guys in here today, I would tell you, man, God, something great's going to happen in your life. And you guys, well, I doubt it. Nothing's ever, ever good happening happened to me. So you begin to live in, in, in doubt land. And some of you guys in here today, yours is bigger. This one's a little bit heavier than the other ones. Yours is, yours is anxiety. You were just, you're anxious. That's just kind of your, your MO. And this one right here, I think maybe we all could maybe get down with a little bit. Maybe we've dealt with some shame. And if you've ever, if you've lived long, if you live life long enough, you've done something that you shouldn't have done. Just everybody nod your head. You've said something that you shouldn't have said. Some of you guys was on the way to church, but you said something you shouldn't have said. You've done something that you shouldn't have done. You've been to a place that you shouldn't have been to, and as long as you've lived before, you've, we've all been there before. And what happens is you begin to live in, you begin to live in, in shame. And so most of us in, your t- in this room here today, and this isn't just our room, this isn't just Hope Church, this is a representation of America. America. This is a, this is, this is not going to make America great or good. It's not going to make it okay. This is what's hurting America. Is we have people that are in fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and shame. And we live our lives there. And the stinky, stinky part of that is if you live life in here, you can't go nowhere. You cannot go anywhere except for between one of these two positions. That's, well, I'm going to go left or I'm going to go right. You can't go anywhere. You can't be who God's called you to be. You can't do what God's called you to do. You can't go where God's called you to go. You can't say what God wants you to say. If you're living in these, in these, in these, um, it's a good word for it. Yeah, these traps that we live in. We live in these traps, and some of them are man, a lot of them are man-made. We build our own traps, and then we go and we walk in them, and then we're stuck in them. And we go back and forth between these different scenarios. And so I encourage you last week, you got a note card when you came in last week, and they advised me this service not to walk up on the orange thing because it was sketched last time, and so I'm trying to stay in the safety zone. This, these, if you see me start going a little bit, I get excited, and I get revved up, and I go that way, be like, dude, calm down. <laughs> Tell the Holy Spirit to stop. <clears throat> we, I gave you a note card that looked like this last week, and you don't need a note card to do this today, but you got to identify your monsters. You have to identify your monsters because here's what I realized about monsters. If you don't identify them, they will go get their brothers and sisters and they will come and hang out inside your mind with you. The, the, you know, worry will go get fear and fear will go over and get shame and shame will go over and get doubt and doubt will go over and get anxiety and they start going to get their cousins and they begin to make a bed inside your mind because that's where the monsters Live on. I want to encourage you today. You've got to identify your monsters because if you don't, they will begin to grow and they'll get more and more and more and more and more and more. And you'll find yourself to the place where you'll get used to, you'll get used to the monsters. We went whitewater rafting. You've already saw the picture. <clears throat> they, I, I've been a couple of times whitewater rafting. I like it. It's a fun experience. It's really cool. But what happens when you fall out, they tell you how to get back in. And so here's some of the scenarios. When you fall out, they're going to tell you Swim this way, swim this way. And what you learn is that most people, they're freaking out too bad. 
There is no swimming. They're paralyzed. How many of you guys have ever been whitewater rafting? Awesome. Outdoorsy like me, right? <laughs> I love that. It's awesome. So they tell you, hey, if you get out, I want you to begin to swim this way. You can come over here. He goes, but if that doesn't work, we're going to throw you this, this lifeline. And we're going to throw it out to you. And we're going to throw it right at your head. And you, gotta, you have to grab that. And if you grab it, we're going to pull you back over to the boat. To the boat and there's this line around the boat that's there to help you get back in the boat. And you grab onto it, and you, you're going to pull yourself up into the, to the boat. And this is what the guy told us that was so profound. I was there with my sister and my, and my two little kids. I'm listening to him. He goes, so many people, they get to the boat, and they never, ever help themselves get in. And what I fear the most for people that I run with, for people, for you, for our church, for this community is that we get into these positions where we're in fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and shame and we can get out, but we choose to stay there. Because here's what I've realized. It's easy to be afraid. Most people are doing it. It's easy to live in, it's easy to worry. It's easy to, to, to live in doubt and to live in anxiety and shame because here's why it's easier. Here's, here's why I know it's, it's easier. Because this is a lot easier than following God sometimes. This is a lot easier than then God saying, hey, I want you to go here, but it's easier to worry about it because you can begin to formulate all the ideas on why you can't do what God's called you to go out and do. It's just easier to stay here. It's easy. This is safer. It's more chaotic and there's more monsters here, but it's a little bit safer here. There's no really out on the edge. There's no really, there's no this faith living. There's just no, when we launched this church, I could tell you every one of these reasons are reasons, a good reason why not to start the church because I've done some things I shouldn't have done. I've said some things I shouldn't have said. I've been to some places I should have been. It's easy for me to say, well, I'm not good enough. I've got, I'm shame. I, I'm ashamed of where I've been. It's easy for me to say, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's easy to live in anxiety when God calls you to do something. It's easy to say, you know what, God? I, I doubt I can do it, God. When God told me and I, and I to launch a church, I thought to myself, God will use anybody. <laughs> if he can use us. He will use, God's not picky. <laughs> Clearly God's not picky. I'm thankful that God's not picky. I could have begun to worry. When, when, the, when our team said, hey, you got to raise 100K, I can say, man, how in the world am I going to worry? How am I going to raise 100K? I could, how am I, how am I going to go out and find 40 people that would trust me enough to go and how am I going to begin to do that? How, how can I begin to worry? And I could have easily said, you know what? I, I'm afraid, God. I, I, I'm afraid, God. I've never, I've never done that before. I, you guys have seen that video maybe before, and there's this Will Smith video, and he basically says this, that God has got something really, really good for all of us right on the other side of fear. Right on the other side of fear. He talks about this, the, the, the greatest, the great, when, he, when you jump out of an airplane, which I didn't, I, I've never jumped out of an airplane. Anybody ever jumped out of an airplane? Pray for me. I'm still, I, I'm still in the bitterness season of this. I had a lady who was going to pay for me to jump out of an airplane. I've told you guys before. And my wife called my boss, who also was my father-in-law, and he told me that I wasn't allowed to jump out of the airplane. I am still mad about it today. Every time I'm in a service and the pastor says, hey, how many of you guys ever jumped out of the airplane? I'm like, I wish I could have. But my wife's a joy kill. You know, that's kind of what I say. That, but I'm, my counselor says I'm doing really good, by the way. I'm progressing. <laughs> my sister told me today I, I say progressing. I just talk fast. So anyways, right on the other side of fear is this incredible experience. But so many of us stay here. I want to read a story about a man today 
who could have had all of these things and could have stayed here, but instead he chose to do what God called him to do. And what I would suggest to you today is that I want our pastors to do what God's called them to do, and I want the people that we shepherd and we run with, I want you to do what God's called you to do. I want you to go where God has called you to go. I sat down with, with um, Brad a few moments ago and we were talking about some business stuff, and, and he goes, dude, next time you go to Cuba, I wanna go. I want Brad to go and be all that God has called him to be. That's what I want for him. I, you know, I, I want, if you're a business owner today, I want you to be the godly business owner that God's called you to be. If you're a mom in here today, I want you to be a lights out mom, the lights out mom that God's called you to be. Lights out is term for awesome. Like that's just the, that's the, that's the urban version of it. Like I want you to be what God's called you to be. I want you to go out and do what God's called you to do, but you'll never ever get there if you're afraid. If you have worry, if you have doubt, and you have anxiety, if you're worried about your past. One of Satan's greatest tools that he uses is he reminds people not of their future, but he reminds them of their past. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I was talking to my friend of mine the other day, and he goes, man, a lot of, I was telling a lot of people, in our, I know a lot of people, they're afraid to die. He goes, most people are, are afraid to live. And we'll never, ever live the life that we're called to live if we're hanging out in this fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, shame, guilt. And so Genesis chapter 22, there's a story in the Bible that I think could help all of us in here today. There's a man here by the name of Abraham, He's seen some things. He's been a part of some things. And I want to read you his story, just a part of his story. And the reason why I want to read you just a part of his story is because this guy has many, many stories in Scripture where he trusts God and he gets away from all these things. And so I just want to read you just, just a season of his life. And I want to encourage you today. I know there's a lot of encouragements in this message, and I think this should encourage you to be closer to God. But I want to encourage you. Some of you guys right now, you're in a season right here. But I don't, want you to, I don't want you to think because your chapter 23 is bad that the end of your story is bad. It's just a chapter. It's just a season. And we all go through seasons. We all go through cruddy, cruddy chapters of life. We all do that. And so Genesis chapter 22, Abraham, Bible says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. He said, Abraham, God called him. And he said, yes, God, freebie. If God calls you, say yes. Don't say, what, God? <laughs> what you want? What you want, God? That does not work. Yes, sir, that's a good term to use. Yes, God. But if God calls some of you guys, you'd be like, I can't go, God. <laughs> no, no thanks, God. I, you'd be afraid. My wife is a fearful person. If you call my wife today and say, hey, you want to get together? She'd automatically, she'd say this. What do you think I did wrong? Ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What do you, what do you think they want? I think they want to buy you lunch. And me, because I love gifts, I'm like, I want to go with them. <laughs> like, if you don't want to go, I'll go with them. And if they ask you to pick, I'm going to tell them where I want to go. I'm not going to be like, oh, you pick, McDonald's. I'm like, no, I like steak. That's what I like, you know. <laughs> Take me somewhere good, and I want to go somewhere good. I think at Ecclesiastes somewhere, it says you ought to eat good food. And that, so anyways, I want to, so he goes, yes, yeah, here I am. Here I am. It's a good response. I mean, there's just so much there. I mean, we can stop there and bow our head and close our eyes and walk out of here. When God calls us, we ought to say yes, God. We'll never have God's best unless we learn how to answer him properly. Hey, hey, Abraham, yes, God. Take your son, your only son. Yes, God, whom you love so much. I love him dearly, God. And go to the land of Moriah. 
Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, this is why if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't go to church. Because <laughs> this is ridiculous, right? Hey, I want you to take your only son. And I want you to sacrifice him. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, Lily, and, Lily is here today and her husband, Alex. They have a son, Alex. I can't imagine God going and saying, hey, I want you to sacrifice Alex. Now, when he was in middle school, I could get why you'd want to sacrifice him. I totally get that. But now he's 20. Like, I totally get that. And some of you guys are here, I don't have a son, but I have a daughter, and I would love to sacrifice her. Like, God's call me, God. <laughs> Please call me now. Like, she's like, I, I got this. I just can't imagine having only one son, and God saying, hey, I want you to sacrifice that one son. That's what I want you to do. Take the one son you have, the only son you have, and I want you to go out and sacrifice him. And God says to him, this is what I want you to do, and I'm going to show you, how, I'm going to show you where to go when you get there. Hey, this is free today. If God's going to tell you to go somewhere, you do not have to have the entire playbook for you to get there. You don't have to. You just don't have to have all the answers. But so many of us in today, we're like, what if we, we, God wants to give us the answers. God calls us and we automatically go, well, I don't know if God can do that. <laughs> God, you don't, God, I've got anxiety, God. If you have anxiety, God knows you have anxiety. But can I tell you this today? God did not design anxiety. I think sometimes we build our own altars to worry about and to doubt and to fear and be anxious. We do that. Outsiders. You know the two, you know the, the, the two, best, two of the best things you can do for your life is to listen to God's word and to listen to godly people. But you know what we do? We listen to our anxiety. Because it tells us what we want to hear. Or we go out and get ungodly advice. If you want godly advice or good advice, don't go to your friends who don't believe in God and ask for advice. If you're married, you're like, man, I just don't really know if this is going to work. Don't go to your single friends and ask them for marriage advice. Does that make sense? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. If I'm going to make godly business decisions for Hope Church... I'm going to go to godly business owners and talk to them. That makes sense. I'm going to go to some people who've been through some things. I've always told you guys, I like when young people come and say, hey, man, I really like that message. But I really like when 50-year-olds tell me that because they've lived longer than I have. What's a 17-year-old know about this, about life? <laughs> They're still getting all their bills paid for. You know what I'm saying? Like living their best life, you know, like totally good. I wouldn't mind going back to that. <laughs> if my dad's generous. I should have asked for I'm learning now I should ask my dad for more stuff back then because he said yes every time. Why didn't I ask for more, you know? That's just extra. God calls us. He says, I want you to go there. I'm gonna give you the instructions on the way, but instead we automatically default to, well, God, I'm afraid. Well, God already knows you're afraid. That's why he tells you, come with me. I'm gonna be with you. Psalms 23. I'm gonna walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. I'm gonna be there with you. God's answer to everything in the scripture, by the way, I just learned this as recently, but God's answer is this, to all the tragedies that you go on in your life, they're real and they're scary and they're all real things, but God's answer to all those things, he's always gonna be with you. He doesn't always change our situation. Sometimes he just wants to change our spirit. He's always with you. God is always with you. All the major crazy things that we see in scripture, faith-filled things, God says, I'm gonna be there right Right with you. He says, okay, verse, um, verse two, you're like, how is he gonna get through all this story? I'll have to skip some verses. No, I'm just kidding. Verse three. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants with him, 
along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place that God had told him about. There's a book out called Chop Wood, Carry Water. It's a great book if you want to read it. It's a short book. If you're not a good reader, you ought to read it. If you're a leader, you ought to read it. Basically, everyone should read it. I think I, got, I, think I covered everybody in there. He got his stuff, he got his wood, and he got going. He set out for the place that God had told him about. Verse four, on the third day of the journey, that's a long three days. If I, if I told some of you guys to be somewhere in three days, you have plenty of time to worry and to fear and to doubt and to have anxiety. I like to be put against the wall. If you're a business owner here today and you say, hey, I would love for you to speak to my team. I would love for you to say to me, I said, when you say when is it, I'd love for you to say tomorrow. I like that. I like to just be thrown right in the fire. Just throw me right in the fire. Today, 1 p.m. That would be better for me than tomorrow. Like, I would just, just drop me in the middle of it. That would work really, really good. I don't want to have the time to begin to devise a plan. I want to be able to trust God. But some of you guys, if you have three days, you're like, that's a long time to worry. That's a long time for me to fill with doubt. And it's, a, it's, a, it's enough time for Satan to come to me and say, hey, here's a little bit of shame. Pour some shame on you so you can begin to realize that you don't have what it takes. And it's okay to not have what it takes because God has what it takes. Verse 4. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. You know what I like about the Bible is there's so much stuff in it. And some of you guys are like, you're like brand new. You're like, is he like always this ADD? There's just so much stuff in this Bible. Like, here's another thing. I, I, just, I just read it and I get up here and tell you guys what it says. I hang out with people. I talk to them about all these things. And then I get here and I deliver what God has me to, to deliver. I like this story because it doesn't, we don't, we don't hear God's audible voice in the next three or four verses. Abraham just says, oh, that's where God told me to go. Can I ask you something, church? If God's called you something, don't wait for an audible voice for him to remind you again. Just go. Well, I mean, I, I want to do what God called me to do, Wes, but I didn't, I haven't heard an audible voice. You may not hear an audible voice. If you do, that will scare you. That's probably why God doesn't use audible voices. Send me back. Oh, this is real. I'm out of here. <laughs> Deuces, God. Bye. Mic drop. <clears throat> he says here in this passage of scripture, on the third day, he looked up and he saw, he saw the place. Verse five. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little bit further. We're going to go and worship. Now, you and I would say, man, you're going you're to go murder your son. Abraham says, we're going to go worship. Because doing what God's called you to do, that's worship. When you go tomorrow to work, that should be worship. When you go home today and you, and you love your family or, or love your relationships, you, that, ought to be, that ought to be worship. That ought to be worship. We, we ought to always be worshiping God. We can worship God 24-7. You ought to get in your car today and you can turn on some worship music. You can worship. When you give today, that's part of your worship. When you serve today, our team that are serving all across, the 100 volunteers that we have, that's worship. Everything we do is worship to God. Because he's given us everything, our response is worship. Our response to everything that God's done is worship. I do what God's called me to do because I want to, it's part, of my, it's part of my worship. So he says, I wanna, we're gonna go up there, we're gonna worship. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering, which that is sick. That's like me saying, here, take this poison, son. He said, I want you to take this, this wood on Isaac's shoulder, and while he, himself, while he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father. And he says, yes, son. And Abraham says, we have the fire, and we have the, bo and we have the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep 
for the burnt offering. There's a difference here. Isaac is starting to say, I'm getting a little bit anxious. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking around and I don't see any, I don't see it, I don't see an animal. And you said we're gonna go worship and I don't see the praise band. I don't see any instruments. This isn't looking good. He's doing the math. He's like, this isn't looking good for me. And here's what Isaac knew. Isaac knew that his dad was a man full of faith. He's like, oh, man, my dad's got me into a situation. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm, in, a, I'm in a mess here. I think I'm in a mess. I, it's possibly that I'm in a mess. And he begins to get in a situation where he's like, oh, my goodness. And he's having this kind of moment. And he's going back and forth. And he's just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he finally says, hey, dad, it's been three days. You got to give me some answers. I need some answers. God, it's been three days. Dad, it's been three days. I need some answers. And God's, and Abraham says this. I love this. This is his response. And this ought to be our response. God will provide. God will provide. You ought to, you ought to, you ought to write down on a note card. You ought to write down somewhere. You ought to put it on your screensaver. Do people still use screensavers? I don't know. But you need to write down somewhere that God will provide. We learned last week you're moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. We also learned this last week. You gotta go back and listen to the podcast. It was very encouraging. We also learned this. If you can change your mind, you can change your life. We, I'm always, I listen to probably, I was in the car for 12 hours the last four days. I probably listened to about seven or eight sermons, maybe nine, a couple leadership podcasts. I'm always trying to put positive thoughts in. I want to listen to other men tell me God's going to provide. He's going to provide a sheet for the burnt offering, my son. And I want to just be able to, I want God, I want, I want to be able to live a life God where it says, where I know God's going to provide and I just keep on walking. What happens next in the story is God provides. God provides. But Abraham could have lived in these seasons of life. I want you to write down these couple of things. Saying, Fear will frustrate you. All fear will do is frustrate. It's not going to help you. It's not going to move you in the right direction. It's not going to move you close to God. All fear ever does is frustrate you. Because you can't go nowhere in fear. You're crippled in fear. The only way to go when you have fear is in a circle. Doesn't this look silly? It's a good boomerang. That just looks silly. Fear just, all fear does is frustrate you. That's all it does is frustrate you. It doesn't help you. It doesn't provide any answers. You don't, you don't get any answers when you're living in fear. The only way to, go, to, to have answers is to be moving, but fear keeps you, fear just frustrates you. Here's what I've realized about worry. Worry will wear you out. It just wears you down. Just you, you ever seen someone, they just look worn out? They, they live the life of a worry. They live a life of worry. When I meet people on, on the regular, on the reg, I don't want to look worn out. What happened to you? Nothing. <laughs> you, are you okay? I like when people ask me if I'm okay, because I think they really, if you're asking me, I think you really care. And I'm going to ask you too. Worry will wear you out. You can't do anything that God's called you. If you're constantly worried, just always worried. Just worrying, worrying. What do you do? What do you some of you guys have said, what do you spend most of your time with? There's an app on your phone, by the way. There's a thing on your phone. You can open it up, and you can find out which app you spend the most amount of time on. Some of us in here today, if I were to ask you, what do you spend most of your time doing? You would say, I spend most of my time worrying. But don't tell anybody else. 
Well, I already know because you look worn out. <laughs> You're like, that's rude. Maybe. I don't like to be rude, but worry will wear you out. Here's what I realize about doubt. Doubt will drag you down. Doubt will drag you, drag you down. My kids are afraid of animals, specifically dogs. If it's a cultural thing, I don't know, but they're afraid of dogs. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. <clears throat> so we get to the whitewater rafting, and there's this nasty-looking dog out there. And I realize my son's going to be afraid. My daughter's playing it cool because she knows that we're going whitewater rafting. She's probably Googled images, whitewater rafting. So she already knows she's more worried about being thrown out of the boat than she is the dog. That's what she's worried about. Trip's like, Dad, there's a dog. I said, no big deal. So I do what any good dad would do. Push him towards the dog, you know. I went like this. I said, be careful. Get on my, he got on my back. He's 90 pounds. I don't know. He's seven years old. He gets on my back and I just, I just pick him up. But he doubt. I said, dog's not going to bother you. I doubt it, Dad. And his doubt began to drag me down. So I'm walking around. The guy's like, is everything good? I'm like, everything's great. He's like, we're going to go over the procedures. I'm like, I wonder how long I can hold him on my back for. That's what I'm thinking now at this point. Doubt will, doubt will drag you down. What's the next one? Anxiety. Some of you guys are like, ah, oh, you just hit a nerve. <laughs> Anxiety will only lead you away from God. It's not going to lead you toward him. It's going to lead you away. Anxiety will always lead you away from God. Because what it does is it gets your eyes focused on all the wrong things. It clouds your mind. The Bible says we're supposed to be drunk on the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be overwhelmed. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says you're supposed to be, what a strong, vivid, vivid word that the, the Apostle Paul gives. We're supposed to be drunk on the Holy Spirit. When people see you say, man, he's, he's spirit-led. She is spirit-led. They look spirit-led. That relationship looks spirit-led. Their finances are spirit-led. Their actions, their certain, everything about them, they're, they're spirit-led. We ought to be spirit-led. Anxiety always pulls us away from the Holy Spirit. Always. And this one over here that I'm not allowed to step on, it's actually, it moved further away, moved away. <laughs> the Spirit slid that over for me. Is shame. And I hate shame. Because here's what shame does. Shame silences you. Shame will silence you. I got my, my phone began to blow up on Friday on the way back from Georgia, and um, it just wouldn't stop ringing. And then Facebook started calling me, and I was like, what do you want, Mark? You know, and I was getting all these phone calls, Facebook messengers calling me, and it's just, I finally take the phone call. I said, I, they said, hey, can you please call me? So I finally call the number, and, and I get certain getting text messages. I get a text message from Pastor Joel, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And let me tell you the story. The story that happened was that a man had a stroke at the gym. And they, the ambulance comes, they pick him up, they take him to the hospital, and Lex, who's in our, in our, in our church, and her husband owns a CrossFit, that gym, and she walks into the ER, and she starts calling the shots, and they tried everything they could try, and they just could not bring this man back. 50-something years old, 13-year-old daughter left behind, and he's gone. He's an attorney. So Dinah says to me, what are you going to, I said, they, I said, tomorrow there's a meeting at the gym, 8 a.m. I said, I have to go there. I have to cancel what I had. To, I just got back the night, getting back the night late. I've I got to cancel my morning stuff, and i got to go be there. And I want to be there. And at the hospital, Pastor Joel was there. Sarah was there. Like, these guys have, have killed it. They were there for this girl. And so I'm like, i got to go there tomorrow because there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of questions. And so I get there, and Diane's like, well, what are you going to say tomorrow? What are all the details? That's my wife. She begins to worry about what I'm going to say, which if you know me, you should worry about what I'm going to say too. And I'm just kidding. She's like, hey, you gonna, 
what are you going to say tomorrow? I said, I don't know. I said, I want to let the Spirit lead me in that conversation tomorrow. So God gave me some things to say. And, but you know, what, you know what I've realized a lot of times is a lot of people, God's put some things in our heart to say, some things to do. But shame has silenced us. Shame is really just, I could really help that person, but I've done some, I, but I've done some things. I could really be a voice for God. I could be a voice of reason. God could use my mouth to bring honor and glory to his name. I, God could use my mouth to worship him, but I just, I don't, it's not for me. Because shame, all shame does has to silence you. And usually if you don't talk, then you also don't do anything. You, you can't back anything up because you can't talk. That's what shame does to us all the time. Shame loves to just say, hey, be quiet. You're not, you're not good enough. You don't, you don't get to talk. So my question for you today is, what do you, what's the antithesis for all these things? How, Wes, you're here and you, you, you want the answers like I want the answers. How are you going to battle all of these things? And the only thing I can point you to is back to the story where Abraham says to Isaac, we're just got to trust that God's going to show up. Now, I don't know about you guys in your table, but our world's not getting a whole lot better. It seems like it's going worse. You might want to say it's plateau and it's going to stay the same, but I think it's getting worse. And Matthew chapter 24 talks about the end times. It looks, the world today looks a lot like Matthew chapter 24. That's just, that's my, that's my take on it. And it, you, everybody gets their own take. That's what I love about our church. You don't have to believe everything that I believe to belong here. I love that. The world's not getting better. But you know what I've chose to do? No matter what. What I'm going to do, no matter what, I'm going to do what Abraham does. And I'm just going to trust God no matter what. That's my plan. Like, Wes, that doesn't sound like a very, like, Wes, what do you, like, we got to, like, build some stuff. And we got to put our hands on, like, no, I'm going to, I want to trust God. I want to go to the monsters in my mind and say, I'm going to trust God more than I'm going to trust you guys. And the problem is that most of us in here today, we've got so accustomed to trusting these voices that we haven't heard God's voice in a long time. We would love to hear God's voice. Oh, we've heard it before, and it sounded good, and we like what he said. But the problem is we reverted to the old me. The Bible talks about the old you. He talks about the old you. Sometimes we like the old, us, we like the old me to come in and hang out. It's good cop, bad cop, you know, or good angel, bad angel. Like we, we have that battle. And it's okay because God, because Apostle Paul, he had the same exact battle. But what I want to encourage you in your day is let you know this. I want to let you know two things. If you're struggling with these things, you're not alone. And you're going to be okay. And you're going to make it. I watched my daughter play volleyball yesterday. And the, it's, middle school is just weird. It's just, I'm not prepared for this uh, yet, Chris. So stay around because I need your help. I'm just not ready for that yet. Like, I'm, I'm probably really good at, the, I'm like the four-year-old. Like I'd rather take four-year-old twins. I'd rather have four-year-old twins than deal with middle school. <laughs> and if you don't have middle school, you don't really know what I'm talking about. And I'm sorry, but you're going to, and it's going to be awesome for you. And I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to coach you through it. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at you, but I'm also going to cry with you. It's going to be awesome, and we're going to do it together. That's what community's for. But I'm, I'm watching these girls serve the ball, and, I, and I, I heard the coach. Every time these girls serve the ball, the coach said, hey, so-and-so, take a deep breath. And I want to encourage you in here today to take a deep breath. You're going to be okay. But you've got to start the process of trusting God more than you trust the monsters. Just start the process. 
I don't want you to come back next week and say, I've arrived, Wes. I am the perfect, I'm the best version of myself. I'm, I made it. I want you to say, Wes, I'm in process and I'm loving it. It's going good. I'm gonna make it. Or Wes, I had a bad day and I wanted to jump back on doubt again, but God said, hey, just trust me. I'm gonna take care of you. That's what I want you to, I wanna, I wanna tell some of you guys today, just take a deep breath. It's gonna be okay. Trust God. Let me read one more passage of scripture to you and then we'll be done. Psalm chapter 46, the Bible says this. God is our refuge and he's our strength. God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times and needs. Hey, good news. He's always ready to help you. If, that's why you don't have to worry your doubt because you can get in it and be going and doing what God's called you to do. And at some point you can say, oh, I'm worried. And God's right there. When you begin to get worried, God is right there, always ready to help. He's always ready to help you, my friends. Let's keep on reading. <clears throat> He's always ready to help in times of trouble. That's why we don't have to be worried. Verse two, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and when the mountains crumble into the sea. We're gonna let the oceans roar and foam. We're gonna let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. God's gonna protect you. You can put your name there for that city. You are that city that God wants to protect. God wants to protect you. That's why we don't have to worry about all these things because we know God's gonna protect us. That's why these things don't plague me that much. You know when these things plague me the most? When I begin to tell you guys things, when I begin to speak boldly on God's truth, that's when I begin to worry. Because here's what I worry. As I worry about some of you guys, I say, hey, go out there and trust God. And I worry tomorrow you're going to have an opportunity to doubt God. And that's when I'm worried the most. Or some of you guys are like, hey, God wants to take away your anxiety. He wants to do incredible things in your life. And you're like, yes, I like that. I'm signing up for that. I want to trust God. But tomorrow, if you're lucky, and not today, that's the, anxiety is going to just peek its head. Are you ready to be anxious again? And you're like, no, 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 no. The pastor said I can trust God and that's gonna push away the anxiety. Yes, it helps, but it's, you gotta be in process. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. You're not gonna be destroyed. Satan, by the way, we preach this a long time ago, but Satan can distract you. He can discourage you, but Satan cannot destroy you. You cannot be destroyed because the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and you and friend and me, we are the church. I love the pastor scripture that we said last week. We take hold of all of our thoughts. We have to snatch our thoughts up. Because if we don't snatch our thoughts up, we don't snatch those monsters, they begin to build. We have to snatch them. Verse six says this, the, the nations are in chaos. Hello, the Bible is still relevant in 2018, almost 19, and their kingdoms crumble and God's voice thunders and the earth melts. I'm thankful for a God who I can't see all the time, but I'm thankful that his voice can thunder. God has a thunderous voice. I want to write a sermon called The Lightning and the Thunder. T-H-U-N-D-A. The Lightning and the Thunder. Lightning and the Thunder. That's what I want to call it. Because God is both lightning and he's both thunder. I'm so thankful for God. I don't, I'm glad we don't have a man, I just saw this sissy God. We have a strong, powerful God. I'm so thankful for that. Big and strong like Alex Cordova. Big old man, you are. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. We don't have to fight the battles when you're scared to fight the battles because there's, God has an army that you have access to. We don't need allies because we have God. And he's got an army. I'm so thankful. For God. I'm glad our God has an army. Just in case he missed a couple things, he has an army to back him up. It's good when your backup is good, but your backup to the backup is good. 
Verse 9, he, he causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and he snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he's like, I will destroy the enemies. Be still and know that I am God. You know, God doesn't change your situations. He changes your spirit. Here's what God's promised everyone of you today. No matter what you're going through, he is always going to be there right there with you. I hated that I couldn't be back yesterday when that man died. I hated that I couldn't be at the hospital. Joel's sweet wife had to call the hospital yesterday. I, I called the ambulance. I wish I could have been there for her. No one should have to see that. I really wish that I could have been there for, her, for that. I really wish I could. I've seen it before. I've seen people hooked up to all kinds of tubes. I've, I've been there and watched people take their last breath. That's miserable. No one should have to see that. But God doesn't, we, we can't change that. But here's what I know. God's right there with you. He's with you, Tyler. He's with you. He's with you, my friends. From Texas, he's with you guys. He's with you, Caitlin. I'm so thankful that he's with you. I'm glad you're with us, but I'm glad God's with you. He's with you, Brad. He's been with you, he's been with you from thick and thin. Brian Childs all the way in the back row. God is with you. He's with Dukes. Don't even know his first name. He's with Eloy over here. God is with you. No matter what you're going through, you have a God who is with you. He's with Maggie, taking her daughter to homecoming prom. I'm not ready for that yet, but I know this God's going to be with me. He's going to be with me. He's with you.